0: This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word, and I pray that you would speak to us through it today by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, amen. I should imagine most of you have heard the expression, a man's home is his castle. Of course, it originally was an Englishman's home, what is his castle, and in some cases that would be literally true. Um, and the idiom can be traced back some 500 years to England, and it became enshrined in English law some 400 years ago. And simply put, it means that no one may enter another person's home without permission. The church, however, is not a castle, though. The gothic design of this particular building can, and I would say in some ways did before we had it cleaned, look rather like a castle. Indeed, part of the impetus behind our building project was not only to repair and restore these stones, but also to make Ascension look visually welcome, open and alive. Of course, at the end of the day I realise that clean stones or expanded and updated facilities are new, welcoming narthex now under construction None of these things alone are going to make anyone welcome. At the end of the day, the church is not the buildings, it's the people. And happily, one of the stories I hear time and time again from newcomers is how they have experienced a warm welcome at Ascension from the people. Indeed, we saw uh, many of last week's new members say that in the video we played. And this is a good thing. And so to everyone who has greeted someone that they don't know on a Sunday morning, well done. Keep up the good work. That said, how might we take that welcoming ethos to the next level? Today, we begin a three-week sermon series on the theme of practicing hospitality, And we will be exploring this in terms of practicing hospitality in our homes, in our hearts, and with our hands. Hospitality goes deeper and further than a warm welcome on a Sunday morning. And this theme of hospitality is not something we've plucked out of thin air. It's a theme that we see in numerous places in the scriptures. Indeed, you could say that the Bible is a story about hospitality. Hospitality begins with God, who has always been and has always existed in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God in three persons demonstrates to us what a life of love, welcome, and hospitality looks like. At its core, hospitality is an invitation to know and be known. In the beginning, God created humankind to be in relationship with one another and with their creator. And in the opening pages of the Bible, we see a picture of God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. And they are invited to share with him and join him in life and work and fellowship. And tragically, that idyllic picture was very quickly spoiled. And as sin entered the world through man's disobedience to God, so came shame, isolation, and hiding, the very antithesis of loving, welcoming hospitality. And so Adam and Eve are banished from the garden, and no longer do they walk with God. Work becomes toil, and the world itself becomes a very inhospitable place. And yet, from that moment on, the Bible tells the story of God who nevertheless wants to be in relationship with those whom he has made, and who goes to extraordinary and costly lengths to repair the broken relationships. And so we see again and again the gracious invitation from God to be in communion with him. In our Old Testament passage this morning from Isaiah chapter 25, we read of God himself preparing a feast, a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. And the prophet is looking ahead to a time when the suffering and the isolation in the world will be ended. When death itself will be swallowed up forever. He writes, the sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And then at the very end of the Bible, heaven is described with this picture, at least in part, of a great banquet, a wedding feast, a party. How are we to welcome our neighbors and reach the nations? By inviting them to the party, eating together, sharing our time, our homes, and our lives. Sharing the good news of Jesus can, at least in the first instance, be as simple as noticing someone, talking to someone, and eating with someone. And it's also more than that. The practice of hospitality, then, is something to which we are all called. I believe that one of the dangers for us at Ascension can be that we go wider without going deeper. And what I mean by that is that we may welcome more and more people among us. And that's a great thing and a wonderful thing. It is, I wish you could be standing here. It is great to see everybody in, there's someone sitting in every pew. Oh no, not that one, but all rest. It's great. Um, but it's possible to go wider without going deeper. And what I mean is by not necessarily deepening our discipleship or followership of Jesus. And I also believe that the solution to this danger is not to be found first and foremost in more Bible studies or more reading of good books or more attendance at more programs. Important, helpful, and good all these things might be. Rather, I think we grow closer to God and have a deeper and enduring faith as we step out and do what he calls us to do. Whatever else we're called to, as a first priority, we are called to love God and love our neighbor. We rehearse that every Sunday. One important way that we can do that is by practicing hospitality. In our epistle reading this morning, the apostle Peter urges us to maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. And there are plenty of sins that need covering. Love is how we do that. He goes on to say, be hospitable to one another without complaining. So this is not merely about kind gestures. Rather, it is a spiritual imperative, a godly command. God shows us generosity, kindness, love, and welcome, not because we pay for it or deserve it or should expect it based on who we are. Rather, it is his character always to show mercy. Our God is a God who seeks out the lost, who calls home the wayward and longs to throw a party for all who turn to him. That is God's mission and it's ours. It's simple, it's clear, and it can be hard. We see that in the most famous parable of the prodigal son, the boy who had squandered his father's inheritance, wishing that his father were dead And yet, whom ultimately returns home, penniless and in shame, and he's received with open arms. Talk about hospitality. The father throws this lavish party to welcome his son home. It is glorious, it is wonderful, and very, very costly to the father. In our gospel passage this morning, the kind of hospitality that Jesus extended to Matthew, the tax collector, however, was not viewed as a gracious act of kindness by the religious leaders. Rather, it was viewed as a scandalous act of impropriety. As Father Kevin reminded us last week when we were thinking about another tax collector, Zacchaeus, tax collectors were despised collaborators who defrauded their neighbors They were the last people to whom hospitality should be extended by a self-respecting, decent person. And yet, that is exactly what Jesus did. God's invitation is to the outcast, the rejected, and the despised. He extends hospitality to the prodigals and the refugees and the strangers. And as Christians, we are called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and follow his example as we extend welcome to others. Indeed, that is the summary of God's law, to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we can love and welcome the person sitting next to us in the pew. We may love and serve the person we work with, We may extend hospitality to our neighbors where we live. We may welcome those who are in our wider community. If you haven't read Daniel Barron's article in the current issue of Ascent, I encourage you to read it. Daniel writes about Ascension's new partnership with Hello Neighbor, which is a local refugee resettlement uh, agency here in Pittsburgh. And we're looking forward to showing hospitality in all sorts of practical ways to a refugee family. Do we know where they're coming from yet, Um, Charlie? I'm looking at you. No. So the, the family could be from anywhere. They might be from Afghanistan, might be from Ukraine, might be from elsewhere. Many people are being resettled here in Pittsburgh. I think it's worth adding the invitation to be a part of this is not based on a false notion that we all agree about the politics of immigration. I'm sure we don't. But that's not the point. The point is that the mandate to show hospitality to the stranger comes from God's word. In the Old and New Testaments, all whom God has made are deeply loved by him and we are called to love our neighbor. And so this is but one example of what welcoming our neighbors and reaching the nations actually looks like. There are so many ways that we can show hospitality. And this morning, at the start of this three-week series, I want to present a very practical challenge to the church. And the challenge is for the whole church to live into this biblical mandate to practice hospitality. Here's the vision. Every household practicing hospitality by inviting two or more people for a meal, a cup of coffee, A walk or a shared activity. That's the vision. And let me make it even more specific. Will you do this once a quarter at least starting now through the end of the year and then through the end of next year? So that would be five times everyone doing this. And why that particular timeline? Well, there's nothing super magical about it, except that's how long we expect it to take to uh, complete our building project and get back our, our facilities. And so part of the impetus for this challenge is the upheaval and the limitations imposed on us due to everything, chaos around us. And if we cannot so effectively practice hospitality at church, let's practice it in our homes, in our dorms, our apartments, wherever we live. So here's the challenge again. Every household practicing hospitality by inviting two or more people, ideally into your home, but it could be for a meal, a cup of coffee, a walk, or some other activity. And let me say again, practicing hospitality is a spiritual imperative. And so to that end, there's one other thing I want you to do before you invite someone. (laughs) I invite you prayerfully to ask God to put on your heart a few people in our church family whom you might extend an invitation to spend time with you. And and rather than have us kind of institutionally organize this on some grand coordinated sign-up scheme, we want it to happen organically. You invite whomever you choose, whomever the Lord may lay on your heart. It's good to get together with friends, and you may want to do that. But I encourage you to include at least one or two invitations to people that you don't know very well as you practice hospitality. And when I say each household, that could be um, a single person, a couple, a family, or a group of housemates. But if everybody will take up this challenge, then I'll, I'll let you do the math later, but it's hundreds upon hundreds actually it goes into thousands of invitations that would take place between now and the end of next year. And if we do that, I think it would be a game changer in our common life. and a powerful witness to the biblical mandate we see in Romans 12:13 to practice hospitality. Just take a moment to imagine what it could look like. I think it will change us. I I really do. Now, I, I know that this challenge might be daunting to some. Perhaps you've not invited someone into your home other than immediate family or a close friend in a very long time or ever. How do we do this? Well, the old adage, practice makes perfect, is not what we're striving for. I prefer the phrase, practice makes progress. The goal is not to see who can provide the best food or the cleanest house. Absolutely not. It can be all terribly ordinary. Start small, invite someone you already know, and then maybe invite someone you don't know so well. Now, I also appreciate that for a variety of reasons, some of you may not be able to invite others into your home. Maybe you'd love to, but you can't. There might be other circumstances in your living arrangements that just makes that impossible. We get that. How could you practice hospitality? Well, you could meet someone for coffee. You could take a walk. You could do something with someone. I truly believe that every household at Ascension can participate in this. You don't need to be able to cook, you don't need to have a house or a car or money to be part of this challenge. In my life, I have been the recipient of so much hospitality. You know, when I was a freshman student at university in England in a strange city where I knew no one, I went to church. And the second or third time I went, I was invited to lunch by a young family. And they kind of adopted me as their student. And that act of hospitality transformed my experience of being away from home. It was there that I became an Anglican. And many times I had lunch with this family, and sometimes I had the joy of babysitting their kids. It was terrific. And when I first moved to the United States in 1994, I was welcomed by many kind and generous people in Washington, Pennsylvania. And a lot about it was different, kind of strange, odd. I encountered foods I'd never experienced before. Things like jello salad, (laughs) pierogies, s'mores. I'd never seen these things. I was a foreigner, an alien, an outsider. And as I soon came to realize, I didn't even speak the language as well as I thought. Uh, And now, after more than 25 years of living in America, I I like to think I am bilingual. (laughs) Last, actually, last week, I have to show you, I received my second 10-year passport, proof that I belong. This is my home. Uh, and yet I have another home. Uh, I, I have another passport. I will always be British, as well as American. And on this All Saints Sunday, I am also mindful that these two nations, one, the place of my birth, The other, the place of my adopted nationality, are both temporary abodes. As Christians, our identity, our citizenship, our hope, and our future lie as members of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. That vast realm where Jesus is Lord and King, he is sovereign. We are his subjects and astonishingly and wonderfully, he has made us welcome. We are members together with all the saints who've gone before, those women and men, girls and boys who have run the race, have fought the fight and who are even now alive in the Lord. And later in our service, as we know, will be welcoming several folks into the church through baptism. This, too, is an act of hospitality as we, with them, affirm our faith, as we turn from sin and turn to Christ. The church is but a foretaste of the heavenly kingdom, a place, a people, a context where we get to learn and grow and practice being subjects of King Jesus practicing hospitality is one way that that we can live out and grow deeper in our Christian faith. As we have been loved and welcomed, as we have been shown forgiveness and grace, as we have been served, so are we to show grace and mercy to others, welcoming the stranger, opening our homes, our hearts and our hands to serve others. I pray that you will take up the hospitality challenge and extend an invitation to others to come into your home or in some other way that you will reach out and be hospitable towards someone else. I pray that you will take the risk to love your neighbor, to know and be known. And I pray that in doing so, you will find great joy. Amen.